0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And Brenthurst Wealth is South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. With me is Renee Egar from Brenthurst Wealth. And Renee, I really like this piece that you send me because it's real things. You know, people talk about all sorts of different macroeconomic this and Federal Reserve that and central banks the other and wars, etc. But what you've done is you've given me some real questions from real people and real people actually drive the markets. Never mind algorithms. It's real people's decisions that drive the markets. So you give me a few questions that people have asked you. What, what prompted you? Is it because people are asking you more questions at the moment?
1: Lindsay, so, yes, thanks again um, for having me on your podcast. Always I mm-hmm. I decided, you know, end of the year, um, everybody has exhausted all the topics. We all know what's going on in the market. So I basically decided to to let our listeners know what clients are asking me most and the questions that they're coming up with. And just to try and unpack it a little bit from from that point of view, because there are important questions and there are very much pertaining to where we are in in markets and investments at this point in time.
0: Okay. The first question, uh, I'll pretend I'm the client. I'll say, uh, Renee, investments in US dollar terms are perceived cheap. The dollar is so strong. Do I take my money offshore at these levels uh, or am I becoming a currency trader by doing so? What do you think, Renee?
1: So, Lindsay, just to unpack it a bit. Firstly, the US dollar and why is it so strong? Okay, And basically, in order to combat inflation, the Fed have increased interest rates, as we all know. And with the dollar being the world's, let's call it, favorite or no, the world's reserve currency. Yes. It means that globally, the world wants to hold a lot of dollars for, you know, any transactions globally. So, in other words, they want to store their cash in reserves in the USD. And it might not mes- necessarily mean that they are they they are moving into equity, but they're holding cash they're getting four percent for it, and it's there as kind of a safe haven while markets are so volatile and that is obviously you know pushing up the the let's call it the um the strength of of the dollar and another another reason that the U- U.S. economy looks healthier than others. Um, is because what they're doing is they they are actually let's say combating the inflation with these these rate hikes at a quicker pace than example like Europe. Europe have got high inflation, low growth. Um their energy supply is affected from from this war. So it's it's a no brainer for for the dollar to be strong and the dollar is actually stronger against the euro for the first time in, in two years. So it just shows you what an impact this has all had on the global economy. So I guess my question to, you know, to answer investors and particularly clients that, you know, we deal with the SA client that's taking money abroad. And I would say that the dollar could still be, Stronger for some time to come. Yeah. So, you know, I know the rate, the rand's trading at about seventeen seventy today, but last week it was well into the 18s and it has even gone as 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 weak as eighteen forty to the dollar. And I really think that you should that clients should proceed with caution, could because it could be quite painful taking rands out at this level because. If you think of it, um, if the rand goes back to fair value, you know when when the dollar starts to come under a little bit of, uh, a little bit of pressure, then you're looking at 16.50 to the to the dollar, and then that's the whole whack that you can lose if you're taking money offshore. So I, I, it's not that we're not investing plants offshore at the moment; it's just that we're doing it in stages. So if you've got 500,000 rand or a million rand I would prefer to sort of swap the currency bit by bit and almost like a rand cost. Do it by
0: degrees I mean some people would say well the rand is now 1770 to 1775 last week it was 1840 to 1845 this is a good opportunity no probably not Uh, because when the rand gets to really weak level or a really strong level. Everyone says the same thing. Well, the RAND's really weak. Let's get out of here. Or oh, the RAND's really strong. Uh, we should hold our RANDs. But it never works like that. The RAND is a contrarian yeah. currency, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. And you know what I think? you know Even though the the portfolios are very much down in, in dollar terms, I, st- I still think that a phased-in approach even into the offshore markets are required because I don't believe we are we are out of the woods. There could be still a lot more volatility leading up to, let's say, middle of next year.
0: Okay, let's move on to the markets now. You work with an, a number of fund managers, one of which is 91, and there's others as well. But what are they doing at the moment when you go to them and they present their, their case for 2023 and their case for different asset classes? What are they telling you at the moment, Renee?
1: Okay, so... I think, Lindsay, this year I've attended more fund manager presentations than I ever have in my <laughs> career <laughs> of being a financial advisor, trying to sort of grab onto any information that I can get. But what I will say is that you almost have – fund managers are going back to fundamentals and going back to basics. So last year you could have gone any, mini money mo. And chosen as a stock and you would have made money. Okay. I think active management is going to be very critical going forward because you need the stock pickers to, you know, get to find those quality stocks, to find those bargains, to understand the earnings of a company. So it's not going to be the case of everything's just going to start making money again. And I must say that's A lot of the fund managers that we are dealing with, they do have quite a sense of um, – they are sitting on quite a bit of cash, but they definitely are looking for those opportunities. So, you know, one thing I can always say, like in our investment handbook, there's always a saying, "You you buy with well, Warren Buffett you, says, you know, you, bl- you buy when there's blood on the streets. Mm. The question at the moment is, is there enough blood? Because, you know, inflation is not fully under control. Um, You've still got um issues in China. You've still got a war that's that's carrying on in the background. So, you know, at this stage, the market is on sale. There's a 25% sale on markets, <laughs> but... There's still no confidence to climb in fully, but you can definitely get some deals. And I think, you know, it's so hard to to keep clients invested, but it's in the bad years that the portfolio managers are buying and selling and lining up their funds for the next three to five years. So all those stocks that they couldn't buy for the last three years, they're able to pick opportunities, blend, diversify portfolios, and it feels like, this is the time now when they buy and sell not when markets are ticking up it's when they need to realign their portfolios where their opportunities are and gear themselves for the next three to five years
0: okay good my next question is a client of yours renee at uh, Brentos Wealth, is technology hasn't been doing very well. Big tech hasn't been doing very well, uh, Renee. Do I continue to hold it or should I look at actually buying into this weakness? Because I look at what, what I've got in front of me, Renee, and I'm conducting this podcast via an iPhone, so Apple which has been hit. I know Foxconn is not doing very well in China at the moment uh, because of the very strict COVID rules they have in in that country, but I'm using an Apple product and I will continue to use an Apple product. I'll buy the iPhone 14 or 15 in a year or so's time. I use Amazon. I'm getting an Amazon book delivered in the next couple of days. I use Google every single day. So if I look at these things, I say I'm using them every single day, like probably hundreds of millions of other people. Are doing the same, so yes, they'll come back. Yes, they were overvalued, but never ever ignore that these country, uh, these companies are all powerful. What would you say to that?
1: So, Lindsay, you almost, um, you know, took the the words out of my mouth. I mean, everybody got a big shock when, you know, all the big um, tech companies were were hit so disproportionately to the rest of the market. You know, since the beginning of the year, but. There are are definitely opportunities now. So an example of that is um, Terry Smith from Fundsmith Global Equity Fund. He has just bought Apple for the first time in three years on a Price earnings ratio of twenty three versus a year ago being thirty two, so he's actually just started nibbling back into those big companies, you know. And then you get you actually get two kinds of ticks. You get like the, the big fang stocks, which are the Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you get disruptive tech, which you can relate to like social media, cloud computing, online gaming, digital M- Entertainment, electric vehicles, and all of that stuff, and I think that that sector particularly got got hit the hardest. But I got, I always think of it like logically. If you think of it logically, like why would these things not perform going forward? Mm. You know, you've got ninety percent of the developing world's population under twenty five. You've got um, you know the big Big mega trends: the social media, cloud computing. That's all. That's all. Um, you know, Netflix, Zoom. You know, all the things that are artificial intelligence, robotic. That's like all different things. And and given the fact that we are in a tech world, like how can you how can you discount them from your portfolio? I, I certainly can't. And you know, that's not even to mention um like healthcare innovation where where that's going i mean we are living in an innovating world so i am just trying to convince my clients with with all my might to to hang on to their tech yes and you know these are the stocks that are going to recover the fastest and if you're a new inv- investor i would definitely think that now's the time to start nibbling cuz everything is on sale and you know just to to kind of um, put it in context, I think that when when inflation comes under control, like these tech stocks, I think next year, and according to a lot of the tech fund managers that I'm listening to, they're quite positive that these tech stocks are are due a rebound at the, in in early 2023. So as soon as inflation gets under control and everything just becomes a bit calmer, I think I think it's going to pick up again, and and I'm I'm a big advocate for this for this tech exposure because how can you not in the world that we live in where everything is instant how can how can you not believe it um, yeah. but it's going to be. A stock pickers game so what tech you buy
0: on that note i mean i, I i've got an irrational dislike of um, zuckerberg but i don't like the way he's gone for meta so uh, so enthusiastically so that would be this is my personal view not Brentus Wells' view i would uh, leave that out of my tech portfolio but the rest of them because i use them every day you can't go wrong you can't go wrong long term i don't think let's get back to basics now okay renee i'm your client again I've got a house Ooh. and I've got a little bit of a bond on it. The prime lending rate in South Africa is currently close to ten percent, nine and three quarters percent. What should I do? Should I pay off that bond and sit down and have a lovely year end, or should I invest in the stocks that are slightly beaten up, as you as you say, they're on sale. They're twenty five percent less than they were a year ago. What should I do, Renee?
1: Okay so Lindsay this is this is a question i get more often than not i promise you this is a very popular question and the problem is with the answer to this one it it's not a one size fits all because you know you've got a lot of clients that have got different Different objectives when when it comes to buying a house or even buying a second property or you know um, bonding the house and taking the money offshore. So it, it's very circumstantial and according to you know the client's needs. But I would have to say that in hindsight, you know, if you if you'd asked me this question a year ago, my answer might have been very different. Yeah, but. In hindsight, at this point in time, where markets are cheap and interest is very high, I would probably go with a 50-50 approach and get the best of both worlds. What does because... that mean? What's
0: 50-50? What's one fifty, yeah, so and what's 50-50. the other 50?
1: So, yeah. So, if, you, if you've got, whatever, 700,000 Rand to invest and you've still got a, quite a big bond on your investment, pay off half of it and put the other in investing. So, you at okay. least you've got the best of both worlds. Okay, the, the the thing is, is that, you know, like, a year ago, it would have when interest rates were low, it, it would be would have been fine having car debt, because you're paying back such a small premium. Now, when prime is 9.75%, I would say pay off the cars first. Yeah. So I'm talking about like very practical Things, um, but one thing, Lindsay, I can say for sure is that you should not sell investments to pay off debt at this point in time because you'd be locking in, you know, losses for years. But it's very, very a very tricky questions because in hindsight, you can always say, you know, um, markets surged, or no, they didn't, or I should have done this, or I should have done that. So to avoid those mistakes. I would say at this point in time, I would probably go 50-50 just to to hedge your risk on on both fronts, that that high interest payment as well as perhaps getting some good opportunities in the market at the moment.
0: Renee, we're not going to speak again in 2022. Do you look back at 2022 with any fondness or are you really, really pleased that it's almost coming to an end?
1: You know what, Lindsay, I will say that this has been um, one of the, toughest investment years that I have ever been exposed to. And I've been in the industry for 24 years and I've been an advisor for about 15. And, you know, we've, we, even, even the global financial crisis, although it was, it was a lot, it was a lot worse. Well, they say it was a lot worse than what, you know, what this, this recent, um, well, let's call it volatility has has summed up to, but it just feels tougher, and I think it feels tougher coming back on, you know, a two very 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 hard years in COVID, and I think hmm. um, it's been particularly testing because people, you know, came off of COVID hoping for for better things and. Now you've got inflation out of control all over the world. Things are costing more. People are down. They're drawing from the investments to to make ends meet. So, I would be very glad to say goodbye to this to this year personally. <laughs> and I really am hoping for that recovery, sort of mid next year. But but you know who knows.
0: No, nobody knows. But uh, the fact that you've been in the business for twenty-four years, fifteen years, an advisor says a lot about you, and also a lot about Hurst Wealth. Renee, thank you very much. Have a wonderful break and decompress over the period that you're away. That's Renee Egar from Hurst Wealth, and that was "It's My Money." "It's My Money" was brought to you by Brentus Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company.